世界の果てを駆け巡るこの音が聞こえるはずだ何をバカなことを何だ何なんださあ我らと共にいざなおう君が望む世界へ Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Shadow Play Gaze, a podcast discussing the 1997 anime Revolutionary Girl Utena. I'm your host, Christine Palin. And honestly, it's a miracle he has not given up on me now after I insult him every time when I do an intro. It's Derek Reining. Aww, there, yeah, I was expecting to be called like paler than the sky, you know,、uh, something <laughs> equally as、uh, horrible as I've gotten before. But, you know, I think jury is your soft spot. So. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we're back、um, doing episode 29 of Utena.、Um, Azure, Paler Than the Sky. We now only have 10 episodes left of the show, which is nuts.、Um, and if you listened last week, you already know she's here.、Um, our jury correspondent is back. It's Audrey Z. Whitesides. Hello.、Um, yeah, thanks for having me once again. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so this is kind of like our jury two part, like holiday spectacular, like a holiday <laughs> special.、Um, a Christmas miracle, one might say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I, this is, I love this episode a lot. I think it's visually really beautiful.、Um, the tone and everything, the way everything's framed is really beautiful. But this is also one I don't have like the firmest grasp on. Yeah. Like、mm. compared to the other jury episodes. So, I'm really looking forward to getting people's perspectives because. I, there's always been like, certain aspects of like, Ruka's character that I haven't been able to like, fully piece together. So I'm, I'm、oh. looking forward to this one. Yeah, I have a similar thing actually. Like, I think part of it for me is that this episode, for like, several reasons, I think is like,、um, it's, it's a bit harder to have like, a critical distance from than a lot of the other episodes. Like, there's some like, very intensely emotional moments that happen in it.、Um, like, so much so that when I, I, I watched it twice, and you know, I was like, well, on the second one, I'll probably be able to just like, take a step back and like, look at it more. And absolutely not. <laughs> it's complete gut punches、uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of times.、Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the show in general. Supports a lot of different readings and、uh, some like ambiguity. But th- this episode, more than most, I think, like just getting like some of the b- like plain details of like what we are supposed to think happened in the episode or like um what the show's perspective is on a character is a lot more. um Open to interpretation than other episodes. It's very cool. Yeah, I would say Ruka is one of the most like controversial characters in the、yeah. show in terms of people's read on like what the maybe what the show is presenting、yeah. him as. And then people have kind of, I would say, interesting readings on Ruka. And like, um, <laughs> oh boy, that, um, some people like basically think like Ruka did nothing wrong, which is interesting. <laughs> that's that's... Uh, not true, <laughs> but、yes. no. I don't think get there. Yeah, I don't think even the show would agree with that at all. No, no, and I do have、no. some thoughts about the way this episode wrap, wraps up.、Um, uh huh. But yeah, first we got we got we have a lot to discuss. We are getting we get way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, getting way ahead of ourselves on like the root of it all. Um.、Uh-huh. So Derek, our notes for this one. I mean the the. Assault is a big one. Yeah, obviously, there's some、uh, non consensual sort of、uh, kissing going on here between Ruka 
and jury. Um, I think that's the big one, obviously. And uh, at the end there, we get some pretty explicit references to character death. And nothing is shown on screen, but I think that's also just something worth noting. Um, uh, other than that, I don't know. I can't really think of anything. There's no car crashes this one either. Um, so mm-hmm. I think other than that, I think we are good to go. Yeah, just the, the Ruka jury scene is a big one. Um, it is. And it, it sucks. But we'll get and to we that. And we will talk a lot about <laughs> it. So, yeah, just yeah, so, um, so yeah, my notes, uh, the storyboards of this one were done by Mamoru Hosoda, um, who we've talked about before is now a very uh, well-known director. Um, and he previously did Unfulfilled Jury, Boys of the Black Rose, Walk of a Flourishing, and Qualifications of a Duelist. I think I'd forgotten to mention that all of his contributions to each now were done under a pseudonym. Um, mm-hmm. there were, we talked about other people using pseudonyms, but I don't know if I mentioned that he, all of his... Uh, storyboards were done under the pseudonym uh, Katsu Hashimoto. Um, so that was just something I noticed uh, when I was looking up the episode. Um, this one was directed by Yoshiaki Iwasaki, and this was his only episode of Utena he did. Hmm. He did. Um, he's a pretty. He seems like a pretty prolific, <clears throat> prolific dude. He's still been working up, you know, to like last couple of years. Uh, but notably, uh, did some at the start of his career did some animation on Hideki Anno's Gunbuster. Um, he wasn't like one of the main animators on that but he had like some sort of like animation credit on that and then directed uh two episodes of turn a gundam oh Oh, my uh, god what a good oh holy that makes a lot of sense actually that yeah okay all bangers (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, he did two of them so i y'all can look up which two but um that was i i knew i had to get the the gundam reference in here because I didn't. I mean, I didn't know you, if that was a good one or a bad Gundam. Oh, yeah. Please no, watch more so than good. two episodes of Turn A Gundam. <laughs> like, watch it all. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's like um, I feel like the easiest way to sell it to people who are not Gundam people is it's kind of like the Studio Ghibli Gundam. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's very beautifully animated. Um, Yoko Kano's soundtrack. It's so good. God, what a good show. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah. stop thinking about it so I can think about switching <laughs> up it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then this one uh, was written by Rayoi Sukimura, who wrote six episodes of Utena, Thorns of Death, Troublesome X, Walk of the Flourishing, and wrote the last episode as well. This is the guy who uh, wrote the anime noir. Um, and this is all of his other writing credits for Utena were done under his own name, except this one was done under a pseudonym. Don't know oh. why. Like he wrote the previous one, it was under his own name, and then this one was done under the pseudonym Shaki Shirai. So don't know mm-hmm. why. If anyone knows why, I'm interested. But um, yeah, those are my notes. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm ready to get into it. Um, I think uh, a big thing. I mean, obviously, I love this episode a lot, and um, I feel like this is the one I've rewatched the most. Honestly, like out of the context mm-hmm. of the show, I will just sometimes watch this episode. Um, I think because, like we talked about, it's, like, so much about the emotion going on more so than it is about maybe the plot of what's happening. Yeah. Um, and a big part of why I love this episode is the sound design is, like, very different yeah. from usual Utena episodes. And this, I think, first scene really encapsulates that where we're getting, it's, like, dead silent except for the sound of birds, um, which I think is uh, obviously pretty significant for our girls, Juri and Shiori, given uh, the sparrow <laughs> of Vidal from last time. Um but yeah, so we get the birds, and we also are introduced to this, like, running motif um, in this episode specifically, but also we've seen, like, chairs before with Jury and Shiori, but this is, like, a new perspective. We're getting a room with three chairs in it, um, and if we want to quickly it's establish... Like a triangle. Yes, um, 
And if we want to quickly establish like the positioning of the chairs, because uh, it's pretty significant, we have one uh, that's in the upper left that's facing the one that's um, directly in a straight line to its right. Uh, and that one is positioned at a sort of diagonal um, pointing between. Uh, so like if this is the point of the triangle, then it's pointing to the opposite side. Um, so basically not facing either that chair in the upper left or the one at the bottom, which is facing the one in the upper left. So we've got um, two chairs pointing at uh, each other, like bottom one pointing to the upper left, upper left pointing to the one on the right, and then the right one is looking at neither of them, kind of at the between space. Um, yes. And we can go into all of that <laughs> as we go along, because people yeah. will be sitting in these chairs throughout the episode. Uh, the thing I do want to note just to start, um, I think it's very interesting that um, this episode and the previous one both start and then heavily feature kind of like big open empty areas, um, although this one's a bit more enclosed, but it is like a weirdly big room for only having chairs in it. Um, and the the last one uh, started with and featured like this bench very heavily where jury was on a bench and then there was an empty space that was like heavily uh, like called out next to her. And this one starts with like these chairs that are like very far apart and in this weird relationship. And we only have an empty one right now. And I think that, you know, thinking about this turn from like a bench, which is like, you know, a, a place that two people are like very close to each other on um, where one person is still present and one person is absent to like these chairs that are like very like set up in like a very stilted way. And like, I don't know, I think part of like, you know, thinking about the um, the emotion and uh, aesthetic of this episode over like the pure plot, like there, there is no reason for this room to exist or to <laughs> set up like this. Um, but uh, I don't know. They're all dramatic and gay enough that they would do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jory went in there and like arranged the chairs herself uh -huh. <laughs> before going yeah. in there. <laughs> God, she would. <laughs> but I mean, that's a great sort of segue into this um, sort of scene that we're led into uh, the mm. idea of performativity because we kind mm. of the first focus we get in this episode in this scene is that we're seeing that literally the entire school is watching whatever is going on. Um, and, um, f which is, I think this is pretty unusual that we get a lot of like detailed sort of figures. Yeah. Sometimes people are in shadow or grayed out or whatever, but we get a lot of like detailed faces. I think part of that probably is like just maybe directorial decisions in that part. I, I think obviously we can read into that a lot, but I think in general, it's more of an aesthetic choice than it is, um, mm -hmm. maybe a symbolic choice. But anyway, so we have this big scene going on and it's Shiori... Um, kind of begging Ruka not to break up with her very loudly um, and very much in front of everyone. Literally, like, the entire school circled around them watching this happen. Yeah, Shiori's, like, position in this whole episode is really interesting because she was very much, like, she was more at the center um, of the last episode, but now it is, like... And we'll get to, we can talk about this more when we see her, like, actually in front of the Shadow Girls wall. Um, like, she is really so removed from, like, the, it, this is all, like, Ruka and Juri, this episode. But, like, Shiori, the role she plays, like, it's almost like, you know, she, she was, the, like, the main, a main character last in the last episode. And now she's been cast aside by Ruka because he doesn't need her anymore. Um, and just, like, Shiori as, like, kind of, like, an actor in this drama between 
Juri and Ruka, but it's still very much about Shiori because Juri's in love with Shiori. It's the whole, like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a very complicated dance of who's doing what for who and who's and why we're doing it. But just, mm-hmm. like, the way she's kind of humiliated so publicly here and then ca- cast aside the rest of the episode, but it's all still about her mm-hmm. is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think um, they... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, like, um, it, it's so interesting that, like, I think every time we see Shiori after this, she's, like, in shadow in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, So it, it's very interesting, like, coming off an episode that was all about, like, the, the whispers in the dark and, like, the secret things in the dark that, like, Shiori kind of gets, like, shoved into the dark um, mm-hmm. and uh, after this this big humiliation. Yeah, and, like, the show kind of brings us into that space very quickly because um, we don't see Shiori's face at all, like, at least mm-hmm. directly in this scene. Um, we get a shot of her, like, on her sort of knees begging, but it's this, there's this, like, kind of heat haze. Um, yeah. Which I don't know if that's supposed to be like from the heat from all the bodies around her, or if it's just like the the weather. Um, I feel like this whole sort of um, these two episodes have a kind of like a summary feel to it. I think because of that um, bench location with the shimmering sea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we get that heat haze, which kind of obscures things, and we just don't see her face in that. Um, and then we cut to um, we see Utsuna and Ati are a part of this crowd, um, and then we see that Utsuna notices Jury in the crowd as well, but Jury is sort of walking away um and that's what leads us into our title sequence here um which once again the sound design really awesome like this is i think the first time we've ever heard not heard this sort of like little do 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 like little tune that plays for the title screen like the music just keeps playing through mm. um i guess what you would call like the black or like whatever like I, I forget what the technical tv term is when something sort of bleeds into um Mm -hmm. what is supposed to be like a sort of transitional scene but i i yeah i think that's a really interesting decision on the part of the show i don't know if you either of you have thoughts on that no i didn't notice that which i i um yeah i i wish i had had noticed that um but that is like a really interesting thing I, i think this episode for me there's a lot of times where like standard forms of things are broken like we'll certainly talk about that with the duel um Mm-hmm. And the way we get into the duel and the aftermath of the duel. Um, so I guess it makes sense to me in that general thing, just like signaling that this is an episode where the, the structures of things are like um, not so like uh, not so rigid. There, there's a lot of like things bleeding into each other um, and like breaking the rules that have been established. Yeah, like a lot of the rituals get changed up um, Mm -hmm. or not even are included. Um, And Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's um, the first thought that comes to mind is a scene that we'll get later between Jury and um, Ruka, where Ruka sort of calls Jury out for always wanting to be in control of everything. Um, So I wonder if this is Mm -hmm. maybe like Jury trying to assert control in some way. Like she won't even let the title sequence play. Like she still wants this very, very dramatic music, which is playing during this scene. Uh um, So like, just keep going. Um, So I I, Mm. I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of um, much smarter people than us who have thought about (laughs) this and why it is the way it is. But I think that's my sort of thought is um, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking a lot about control during this episode because that's what Ruka claims Jury's problem is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, coming back from the title card, um, we get like 
a bunch of the girls in the school talking about like Shiori and Ruka's break, very public breakup, um, saying like, oh, Shiori like did too much, like mm-hmm. something, something along those lines. She's not coming to school. Um, and then that's from that we see Jury back in the fencing hall. Uh, fencing with a girl and like giving her pointers and Uchina is watching from the balcony and looks like really mad um and like <laughs> jury they they end up in the room with the chairs and jury's sitting down I think in the top left chair mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone wrote that down but I think it was in the top mm-hmm. left chair yeah and everyone has standing a, up. an assigned seat so yeah jury's yeah. always top left Mm-hmm. Top left, and then Utena, you know the meme. It's like um, fighting my demons. Like demons got hands. Yes, that's <laughs> the, the, the exact stance Utena is doing. It's really funny. Uh-huh. It's like I like paused and laughed because she like looks like she's like ready to like box jury. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you know, jury's like, oh, you're butting in again. I don't know. This is a habit. And Utena's just like, why don't you care about Shiori? Like, you know, why aren't you worried? She's clearly hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because, like, Utena was in that position with Wakaba and Utena stepped up, but that's what got Utena in this whole yeah. situation. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense why Utena is, like, this aggressively mad at Jury because it's just so not what Utena would do in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think it's also interesting, um, you mentioned Utena's positioning, um, and it's really interesting because this shot is, like, very zoomed out. Um, we don't get, like, a close-up um, on, on Utena at all. Um and she is kind of moving, but like only the top half of her body. And she's kind of just like, just barely stepped into the room. She doesn't take a seat at any of the chairs. Like she almost feels like she's like an intruder here. And like, you know, she she's kind of just like stuck on the outside, um, which is obviously significant. Um, but it, it's interesting compared to like the usual Utena, who I feel like is a lot more dynamic um, or like mm-hmm. doesn't feel like stuck in a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this whole, like, room feels very much like Jury's room. I, yeah. I We've seen this room before, and I forget what, I forget which Jury episode it was in, but it didn't have the chairs, and I just know we've, like, sort of seen yeah. this patterned room before. I think it's was the fencing it hall. Thorn, was it in Thorns of Death when Shiori takes the sword out of her? I, I think so, because I know that we've seen it. That might have been. Yeah. yeah. I know we've seen this, Because like, I don't very think that hard. happened in... That didn't happen in, like, the main fencing hall. This is clearly, like, a room, oh, like, yeah. in the fencing hall, I think. Yeah. And so I think that must have happened in, in there. That's my best um, guess. I'm, I'm, positive, I'm sure but... someone who's watched the show, like, ten times is yelling at the podcast right now, like, you <laughs> idiot. No, that's not what happened. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm sorry. sure there's, like, probably, like, a topographical map of uh-huh. Otori Academy that we just need to find. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, so... This does feel like jury space, so it makes sense that, like, she would let Utena like, kind of peek ahead in mm-hmm. and have her say, but at the end of the day, this is jury space, and she's not going to let Utena fully, like, charge in, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think it's significant that um, the people who do get, like, do get to be allowed in there are Shiori and Ruka. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, jury's just having none of this conversation mm-hmm. with Utena, um, like, you know, I'm, she's like, I'm staying out of it. This is between Shiori and Ruka, which we know this is very much between her and Shiori, and Ruka is just kind of there causing Some problems. Some guy. Mm-hmm. So, and um, she's like, I won't repeat myself. And then we cut to Uta and Anthe in bed, um, in the hand-holding bed, as Derek calls it, the 69 bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, we can, you know, we'll take that out of the vernacular. 
<laughs> it could be the chase no, hand holding bed from now on. Okay? You willed it into existence. Yeah, you You need to take ownership of I, that. I, I, that's fair. Um, that's fair. <laughs> so this conversation is interesting. Um, Utna says she feels like Jury is really forcing herself to do this. Um, I think do this like she's really forcing herself to stay out of this. Is that I don't uh, I didn't because she did says do this. I, she doesn't say what I, she feels like she's forcing herself to do. Yeah, I I thought that when I first watched it, but then I I feel like I got a um almost the opposite because the next thing we see of Jury is her like going to check up on um on Shiori. So my read was also like maybe like after that like conversation they just had like jury ended up being like okay whatever i will go check on her and utina is mm. being like oh she's like forcing herself to like go check on i think it is ambiguous but i i think given um g- given like the way um i mean i guess i don't know i guess it could be either way i think that for me just because like what we see jury do next um and utina seems to think that Utena doesn't seem to think that Jury actually is there for Shiori, and like so, it seems like Utena's read would be more that Jury would be forcing herself to care about or check on Shiori. But I don't know. That I could be wrong. I think that makes sense to me because um, Anthe's like role here in this yeah. conversation is to like convince Utena that Jury does care in some way. She yeah. talks about the idea of like. Well, maybe Jury's just showing part of her feelings, mm-hmm. um, which then obviously leads into Utina's question to Auntie, which is, well, do you do that, Auntie? Do you only reveal part of your feelings? Like, oh, okay, Utina. <laughs> Would Auntie ever mm. do that? <laughs> you really, Very much that meme of uh, the buster from Arthur, like, you really think people would do that lie on the internet? Like, <laughs> Utna, yes. I do think Auntie sometimes does not say everything she means. <laughs> I'm going to take a wild yeah. stab in the dark that that sometimes happens. I think it also says a lot. Auntie... Oh. Yep. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, I think it says a lot about Utena because, I don't know, to me, when Auntie is like, sometimes people only reveal part of their feelings, and Utena's like, what? <laughs> like, I think it says a lot about Utena and who she is that she, like, can't conceive of, like, if you know what your true feelings are, you would not just put them all out there. <laughs> She's kind of like, whoa, like, you could have true feelings and only reveal part of them. Like, what? I know. <laughs> right. I love our himbo so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is, I think this is the second time we get, or it might be the third time where we get on the almost tell Utina mm-hmm. something. Yes. It's for sure at least the second. Um, she does the, you know, the Utina, the truth is, like, while they're holding hands, and Utina says, what? Kind of, like, pressing on the, and then Auntie says, never mind. Mm-hmm. So we we obviously can tell that, like, I always wonder, like, how this, what always happens after that. Because <laughs> it's, like, mm-hmm. I, like you know, we cut away, but there's just, you know, just, like, okay, good night. I literally, Utsuna rolls over and starts, like, honk shwoo snoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Auntie guess Auntie doesn't have anything to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. okay. Night. <laughs> it's all fine. Great. Because <laughs> like, to us, that feels so obvious, off. but... <laughs> <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, uh, but yeah. So then we get into um, uh, we get the scene here where we're um, it's Shiori. We get our first look at Shiori post breakup. 
Um, she's in this sort of, um, it looks like, her, I think, her dorm, right? It's um, her dorm. Yeah, I recognize the hallway. Yes, you from would. Thorns of Death. <laughs> the first time we saw it, I think, it was Thorns of Death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, like, obviously, she's leaving messages for Ruka. Uh, essentially, um, her tone here is, like, very scary. Um, <laughs> it's a very horror movie. Unhinged, uh-huh. yeah. She's, like, um, very low tone saying, uh, telling Ruka, you, like, I don't know, stuff like, we're supposed to be together. Why won't you answer me? Um, and this is where Jury sort of finds her. Um, she opens the door, but not all the way, and her door is still locked. We see, we get a shot that shows us that the lock is still firmly in place, um, and Shiori is, like, not even fully revealing her face. She's just, like, looking up at her with one eye. Um, Shiori looks busted. <laughs> yeah. Oof. There's just, like, a long shot that's, like, just her eyes, and she's, like, talking and being, like, you're disgusting. Like, it's just a static shot, like, no movement, and it's... Oof. Yeah, it was really bad for her. (laughs) Yeah, she's just, and then we see Shiori, you know, back where we, we kind of like that same mindset of like, jury's better than me. I am inferior. Jury like Mm -hmm. pities me because yeah, she's just like, you must be really happy. You came here to laugh at me. You disgust me. You expected me to come crying to you for help. Well, I'm not going to do that. And it's like, she can't see that like, that's not who Jury is. Um, and it's you know, like so obviously a defense mechanism of like being like if like if she can stop being sad for a minute and be just like cast Jury as the villain in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jury and doesn't for even a moment, like, like have someone to be mad at. Mm-hmm. Like Jury doesn't even speak, I think, after she like mm-hmm. says her initial comment. And it's all just Jury like saying things like just making assumptions about why Jury is there. And the shot like we're, that we're talking about, it's. Um, as if we are above Shiori. Mm-hmm. We're like kind of looking down at her. Um, so I think that's like the perfect read on it is that Shiori is back in one of her two positions that she's comfortable with with Jury. It's either I'm above Jury or I'm below Jury. And right now she's mm-hmm. very um, happy to be um, beneath Jury and sort of direct her righteous anger at Jury for the situation. And I think that's I think Jury can sense that, and I think that's what inspires her to kind of, like, change her mind about her um, decision with Ruka, or her decision yeah. to tell Ruka to break up with Shiori. Um, and so I that's kind of the next scene after this, but is, first we get a little car this... ride with the boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually think the car ride comes before the Shiori-Jury yeah. interlude. But it's in oh, the middle, it's yeah. It, mm, yeah, it's, we... it's not that important. Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, so this whole scene anyway so car ride though with the boys boys night out right is that what we're talking about <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so it's uh rook in the back seat right and then yes we're yep. in the back seat toga toga in the passenger akio of course driving yes um okay so um Ruka says, he tells Togan Akio that Ruka has a reason to win, even though he knew he was going to lose mm-hmm. um, that duel. He doesn't specify what that means here. Um, and once again, I don't know, do we hear from Akio at all in this? No. No, Akio thankfully does not speak in this episode yeah. other than Shoujuri, um the end of the world. That's yeah. That's the only time he speaks is when he says his little line. These two episodes are really interesting because, like, especially, this is especially, like, kind of poked at when Ruka just tells Toga to say his line uh-huh. um, like Toga and Akio are just there for these two car rides both the mm. Shiori like 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 as we talked about like kind of Toga had to be there 
the last yeah. one just like to be there but now like ruka's got the maybe he, he like he's got the lines down so he can say most of it but he still needs toga to finish it off yeah that's later mm-hmm. on but like even here it's just kind of like with both of these duels but particularly this one it is really ruka and jury like driving themselves to do this mm-hmm. through their like weird fucked up thing they have going on uh-huh mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just think that's, I don't know, I'm not sure what to read into the fact that um, besides that point of like, it's it's literally Ruka and Jerry controlling this entire narrative. Um, but the fact that Akio is like has no real presence here. Um, it I think the reason it like gives me pause or makes me think about Akio's role in all of this is because the last time we've seen a character sort of... Um, reappear um the way ruka does and then kind of disappear the same way ruka does was mikage yes. um and that turned out to be an entire akio mach- like machination so yeah I, I don't know i by the end of the episode they want us to believe that it was like all ruka's like doing but i i have to believe that akio has some sort of hand in it and that's why mm-hmm. he's sort of quieter in these episodes is maybe he's i don't know like expending a lot of energy to even keep uh ruka there in some sort of corporeal form that's like my read on why these episodes mm. are so thankfully akio light yeah i mean we talked some in the last episode about how ruka does fill this like role of the stand-in prince um in in a way and i think that you know but both like in his his uh color scheme and also um in like what he represents in this show like i think akio uh certainly like represents like a force of like heteronormativity and treating on <laughs> love between women and also ruka does that in like a way less central to the overall plot um so i think yeah in, in a lot of ways it's like we almost don't need akio to do so much because ruka kind of is like perhaps a more ambivalent like um puppet for him um or like just kind of yeah like stand in like uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah we don't need two uh akios running around basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so we had that whole car scene um and then uh i believe ruka brings up the idea of um he does he say the line there are no miracles here um he quotes yeah, he's like there are no miracles yeah. That's what yeah. she always says. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't, does he specify jury? He just says she, right? He says she, but then we cut to jury. That's yeah. when it cuts to jury going to Shiori's. Yes, right. Like it, the camera like goes to jury go about to like yeah. knock on Shiori's door. Mm-hmm. So it's like I think the with the way that's framed, he's definitely talking yeah. about. Right. Well, I mean that's my question because I think I I don't know maybe we can debate that some more later. Um, when we learn something yeah. else new about the like who was saying what about miracles, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so this is when we get that whole Jerry Shiori scene here um, mm-hmm. with um, terrifying Shiori looking mm-hmm. up at Jerry, <laughs> um, and yeah, Jerry, Shiori comes to ask, like you said, did you come to laugh at me? Um, this is where Jerry um, decides, I guess, to just go have this conversation conversation with Ruka mm-hmm. um, and have him unbreak up with shiori because she doesn't like seeing shiori this way yeah uh which is it's, yeah it's miserable. <laughs> it's miserable it's so sad level. i like 
I want to call her a cuck, but it's just, like, sad. <laughs> yeah, she's already down so low. We don't need to kick her. No, yeah. Because <laughs> it's just, God, like, she's, like, oh, yeah, it's really pathetic. Um, And just, like, re- again, really sad when you consider, like, the way she thinks about her feelings for Shiori. Like, this is just something I can never have that uh-huh. I have to be locked away. The least I can do is, like, n- maneuver this so Shiori can be happy. And Shiori's yeah. so shitty to her. It's like, oh, yeah. my God. And Ruka's yeah. shitty to her, as we'll see in this scene. It's just like, mm-hmm. ugh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. It's like everyone in this situation, in this little, like, chair trio, comes off as just, like, very pathetic. Because none of them, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like none of them, even Ruka, has a sort of sense of self-preservation Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know, Shiori, I think, may, probably has the most, like, to a bad degree, where she's, she's all about self-preservation, <laughs> but then the other two are so willing to, like, l- I mean, in Jury's case, like, literally, like, lie on her sword, like, take the blow, like, she, they're willing to give up so much for the happiness of another person who, like, does not give a shit about them. Um, yeah, no, but I think that's a good point because, like, I I feel like it, you could watch this episode and be like, what? Shiori has self-preservation. She's like throwing herself away over this guy. But also, like, during that uh, public breakup scene earlier, one of the lines she says, or maybe it's when she's calling him. It, it, one one time, a thing that she says to Ruka is, "You're all I have left," um, mm-hmm. which is interesting because you know, like, and I think it. To me, it ties into this idea of, like, the normal life or, like, the ideal life. Um, and, like, the, the sense that, like, she, yeah, I, we talked about this also last time. But, like, I, I think if you're, if you watch this and you're, like, um, Shiori wants to be with Ruka because of, she loves Ruka specifically as a person. I think you're <laughs> wrong. I think she loves what Ruka represents and what Ruka gives exactly. to her. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Ruka, like, like what we talked about last week, like, Ruka can give, um, Shuri everything Jury mm-hmm. could if yes. Jury were a man. Yes. And so that's, like, perfect for Shuri. I can be in this, um, relationship that is socially acceptable and mm-hmm. get a lot of power out of it, too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and so that is, so yeah, I, I don't know. I know there are a lot of bad Utena takes out there. There, <laughs> I, I don't think so much anymore now that the fan base is sort of like a very specific mm. like group of people of Utena understanders with capital mm. U's. Um, but I think obviously back in the day, um, there were these sort of reads of the show where it's like, oh yeah, 100% Shiori loves Ruka or like Ruka and Juri are a great, I match. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like people with horrible takes on this situation. But I, I read I, a comment yeah. on there's a great blog, like the consulting analyst. Whenever you look up Utna episode analysis, it's the first mm. website that comes up. Someone mm. like a few years back did like these blog posts for every episode. And someone on the comments in the comments for this episode is like lays out their theory of why jury's in love with Ruka. And Ugh. it's disgusting. And this is like in 2015. So like Jesus. Oh. <laughs> a simpler time. <laughs> yes. Um, but so we have to get to this scene. Of, I know. <laughs> um, what happens here? We've been, we've stalled long enough. Um, so, um, so Jury and Ruka, so Jury's watching Ruka fence and then they end up in the room with the chairs um, and Ruka is sitting down and Jury is standing. He sits in the bottom chair, right? Yeah, Ruka um, bottom. That's his confirmed. assigned seat. Yes. <laughs> Ruka bottom. I, I think we just uh, knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
boy. Okay. <laughs> and um, she, so yeah, Jury's trying to get Ruka to take Shiori back, as we mentioned. And she says, you know, if it'll make Shiori happy, mm-hmm. she kind of like trails off. And, and he, he declines um, and like starts to get up and walk away. And he says, I appreciate Jury's, you know, friendship mm-hmm. um, with Shiori. Uh, but Shiori's spoiled, pushy, and self-centered, and a liar. Who would want a girl like that? And this yeah. jury is fucking fuming mm-hmm. about this. Um, you know, what gives you the right to hurt her? She calls him a cruel bastard. And then he's like, oh, you presume you can order people around. And then this is when we see Jury in her most um, predator-like yeah. Um, and the you know the the leopard of the school uh, as she's referred to in the manga, and in um you know the big cat, like I don't know, it's just like the way she lunges yeah. and with her both mane. of her fists, yeah, and just angry and like this is we've seen this glimpse of this, but only it was when Utena at the with Utena at the fountain yeah. when the, in the filtery after she tr- was kind of leaning in for the kiss and like was like grabbing you to know but this is like so much more like like she like literally like flies across the room at ruka <laughs> yeah definitely um i also want to say i think I, i'm interested in a lot of the things that i think ruka is either wrong about or like selectively choosing to misinterpret because mm. he calls shiori a liar and like she did tell a lie in the last episode but he made that lie up and then she just agreed with it which is very Mm -hmm. interesting to me and I think when we get to the duel there's other things I want to talk about but I think that if you just watch the show there's a lot of stuff that Ruka is just like either wrong about or misinterpreting um, including I think a lot of stuff about Juri and Shiori Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just want I wanted to point that out because Ruka mm-hmm. fraud watch um, is on <laughs> for me. Ruka's not a lesbian <laughs> understander. That is for danger. No. Sure. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that speaks to a lot about Ruka, which is like we talked about how he comes in, and I feel like you could assume that he knows a lot mm-hmm. because he comes in with yes. a letter from End of the World. Yes. So I think right off the bat, you're kind of primed to think that he knows, like he's almost like Akio levels of like in the know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, he just like has like very off reads, or if he, yeah. or either that, or he is lying, or just like absolutely yeah. misinterpreting what he's seen. But I think um, a big, I don't know, point of this sort of second episode is to, I think, break down that idea. Mm-hmm. We maybe thought Ruka was in that first part. Um, mm-hmm. Not only because we see that he's like a mortal being who can die, um, but also because, like you said, he's just like is not in control at all, doesn't mm-hmm. really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly is, I think, uh, I, I mean, we already talked about it, but he is a lot like Jury, like to a scary point. Yeah. To the, like, um, like he's almost like the way he treats Jury is the way Jury treats Jury in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And, uh, maybe not quite that aggressively. <laughs> not, not as, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which but I think, but no, know. it is, it is. Yeah. Anyway. No, oh, I was going to oh. say like, you know, I think that's, has a lot to do with like social positioning and like mm-hmm. identity and stuff like where mm-hmm. he feels a lot jury has a possessiveness over shiori but does not feel entitled to her at all um and mm-hmm. ruka feels extremely entitled to jury uh which i i again we're i think we're stalling maybe but yeah i mean yeah we can get to that here yeah. well, first jury tries to punch him i think that yeah. comes first with- she comes with the one fist, she grabs it, and then she tries with the other fist, and then he grabs yeah. the other fist, and then 
kind of I can't remember it was just, he says something um oh he, like punches he, her in the stomach he's, yeah. He says, like, how about this then? And then yeah. he throws her against the wall and says, I'd like to go out with you now. And she says, who would want an asshole like you? And he says, mm-hmm. you're in love with the, the fencing club captain and tells her to stop resisting and forcefully kiss, kisses her without her consent. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so this lasts for a little while. She's like struggles against him and then kind of stops and then pushes him off. And then we see that like at the end of the scene, he's like bleeding from his lips. So she's presumably like bitten him. Um, yeah. And that kiss is like from a distance, which I think yeah. is important. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I don't know. When I think about um, when in animation, especially um, when you think about the idea of um, titillation mm-hmm. versus, I guess, just like sh- something happening like this for pure story story purposes, I think framing is like obviously mm-hmm. our big hint at that. I think the fact that we're so distant from it and like not allowed to sort of like mm-hmm. um, gay, like it's not really for our enjoyment in any way. Yeah. Um, I think a lesser show would maybe try to play this up as a sort of like saucy sort of like yeah. I use that word again titillating scene but it is not it's a, it's an act of cruelty and an act of violence mm-hmm. um and I like obviously jury um sort of gives up and I think people wrongly interpret that as like her wanting it or consenting that's what, to it. that's what the person the one yeah. c- comment was which like well she resists but then she stopped resisting which is really bad that is very, yeah, we don't need to get into think, yeah literally the fact that he's like she the literal next scene is him wiping blood off his off of his yeah. face because all she can really do in that moment is just bite him because she doesn't have the sort of obviously he can physically overpower her so that's all she really has um yeah. left to her um so i think that yeah if it's unclear to anyone i mean and mm-hmm. obviously we might have like first time watchers um mm-hmm. who may be unclear on their relationship i think it's very like we're 100 percent sure like jury just does not have that kind of interest in ruka whatsoever yes. and this was an unwanted um moment between them yeah i think again talking about the sound design also like all mm. noise cuts out her here except for her <clears throat> breathing which is like it it is very uncomfortable like her breathing sounds like she's struggling there as well so i i don't think there is any way for me to read this as like something that um like i I think the show is doing is going to great lengths to uh tell the viewer that this is like an uncomfortable moment like i don't know for me this is like the most uncomfortable thing that's happened in the show so far like obviously the stuff with akio and anthea is really bad but we don't get like it doesn't linger on it in the same way like Mm -hmm. we get a suggestion but we don't actually like have to sit with like the violation um and this is it 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 just makes you uh be there yeah and with him pulling having the locket when they've pulled away is also like horrible i i've had it i've had it seen it suggested that like i don't i don't know it's just like the fact that like that's always under her shirt like Uh is there more we did not see of this yeah i don't know like it is like she he got that like I don't know. It's it's that that is like a horrifying realization when he has to lock uh-huh. it. For, for it's horrifying for her because she realizes he n- n- knows the truth about uh-huh. her. Mm-hmm. But like when you think about like logistically, like that is, yeah, yeah, well, not my, good. And my, my read is that um, when he like hits her in the stomach and she like loses her breath for a second before he pushes her against the wall, 
I think that's when he gets it. Um, and I think also, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the fact that she doesn't notice that this has been taken from her, I think, also, like, leads some to... Because it's so important to her. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll see later, yeah. Like, just yeah. how vital... I mean, I, I don't know. As much as we talk about the idea of, like, swords being, like, these people's yeah. will, I think in a, yeah. in a the most true sense, that is Jury's actual uh-huh. will, is her locket. Uh-huh. Um, but... He, uh, yeah, this is just a really awful scene. I mean, awful in terms of, like, the um, the action, not the mm-hmm. direction at all. I think it's a really yes. gorgeously framed and animated scene. Yeah. Um, just depicting something really terrible. Um, but it's I, it's interesting to contrast this to um, Jury's um, reverse impalement that Shiori mm-hmm. uh, does on her, presumably in the same room, because in that scene, Shiori gets close to Jury, and Jury like kind of I, I don't want to say invites it but she does not resist yeah. at all because it's what she's kind of wanted all the time so I think like you're saying the show really wants us I I would hope to like contrast these two and see that jury mm-hmm. is perfectly fine with letting a shiori who is a very dangerous person get that close to her um but uh puts up a lot of resistance against Ruka here so um mm-hmm. even though shiori is not in this episode a lot I like I feel her presence oh, yeah. so much throughout well, her empty chair is mm-hmm. there watching them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, her empty yeah. chair is, like, pointed right at where they are on the wall, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, that's, wow. I love that sort of look at it, because I I was yeah. thinking, like, what does it mean? Like, obviously, it's important that it's not looking at Jury, and it's not yeah. looking at Ruka. But it, the fact that it's in this sort of middle space, yeah, it's, I'm like, okay, so then what is she looking at? I think um, the idea of maybe she's looking at conflict or looking yeah. at the way other people mm. react to her is what's important yeah. to her. Um, mm. She doesn't so much care about who it is, more so about, like, the fact that she's getting any sort of power over anyone. Um, and in this situation, her power, it comes through the fact that she's has kind of had a hand in this whole conflict. I don't want to say it's her responsibility, because obviously Ruka yeah. has been a huge shit stir here and, like, yeah. brought this yeah. on both of them. But it, she does, I don't she had a chance to gain something from it, at least in the last duel. Mm-hmm. Um, um and, and before we move, move on from this exchange to get to the, the him threatening to step on the locket um yeah. audrey Oof. you had brought up we like derek you had brought up the the um similarities between ruka and jury and audrey you had brought up like the difference in their like social positionings and i think this mm-hmm. is like very evident here of like ruka by like because we know at the end of the episode that like ruka was like in love with jury as, as if we are mm-hmm. to believe what the shadow girl said um was in love with jury um and that was what was motivating him to do everything um and in you know we talk jury it's like the first enough full jury she talks about like wanting at the end of a full jury she looks at the picture of jury like i wish i could make you see understand my feelings mm-hmm. and i mean ruka very much tries to make jury understand his feelings here forcefully mm-hmm. um and so there's a similar underlying desire in these characters to like like cause you know to like make someone realize how they like kind of like mold reality into like having it be Mm -hmm. what you want but like Mm -hmm. jury would never actually do that yeah Um, she would rather just keep it secret and like would never go to the length ruka is able to go to because of his physical stature of of like being this sense of entitlement like jury has that same desire but she doesn't feel entitled to it in the same way ruka does very Mm -hmm. obviously by literally forcing himself onto jury physically Mm -hmm. yeah 
yeah um, and yeah i think also like you get um like jury and shiori's relationship is all about like exchange of power like who has more power in a situation and that doesn't ever really happen with her and Ruka. Like th there are times when Ruka will like give lip service or be like, you actually have more potential than me. You actually could be way better than me. But he's doing that as a way to exert power over her um, mm -hmm. and not like, there, there's never actually like a moment in this episode, I don't think where Jury like has real power over him. Like it, it, it uh, even if you want to do the like very you know uh i i think uh, most sympathetic to ruka read possible <laughs> where you're like well sh she has power over him because of love and like he's helpless but like no that that's not how social power works <laughs> no like yeah i think maybe part of like i could maybe see that if you're thinking about because a lot of the characters in the show like they allow their affection for someone yeah. to like have power over them. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I we've seen people like Toga and yes. Sayoji, uh, who are a lot more similar to Ruka, um, who have this, uh, maybe not necessarily affection, but like a desire for another person. Mm -hmm. um, and they, like Ruka, have the physical and social standing to act on that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I think people, uh, I think it's like we talked about before, it's very intentional that... Ruka resembles Toga just mm -hmm. with a shorter sort of haircut and blue instead of red. He like we're supposed to be making more of a connection to these um this like sect of characters like Toga, Akio, Sayonji, rather than our other characters who um don't have that sort of ability to um physically overpower other people or mm -hmm. um make these sort of social movements that Ruka can. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, so the stopping of the locket, which is um, horrifying. <laughs> um, this is. A I mean, yeah, like ugh. when you think of the implications of like this is yes, her feelings for like Shiori, but like more broadly, like Jury's like qu queerness, like we talked about, like like hiding, literally hiding that part of her under underneath her clothes, like Ruka, this like you can say like a heteronormative like prince figure trying to like crush it under his foot um yeah. obviously the issue is with that jury has with this is that she keeps it hidden and that it is that she has this unrealistic like idealized view of shiori like she does have issues she needs to work out with this um but it's like of like ruka like just again the cruelty of it um and yeah. the fact that it is him and the way he has been framed like the implications of that are um a little heavy yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that it's I don't know, like it's it's awful that it's in service of like his selfishness, but it's also additionally awful, um, and we'll see more of this later, that it, he does it under the guise of like helping Jerry. Yeah. Like it's in the guise of like bettering her, like you were talking about. Like, Jerry, you have so much potential and I can help you reach yeah. that potential if I just help you get rid of this. This this yeah. being Jerry's not just like specifically her um love for Shiori, but like her like you said, queerness, like this entire part of her identity, um, that's what Ruka thinks is holding her back, um, yeah. which is awful. <laughs> yeah, uh, the camera goes, and again, I think this is something that people could misinterpret and be more sympathetic to him because like when he is about to step on it, he, he doesn't look happy about it, 
Um, like a lot of the way that he like treated did Shiori, there was like a almost like gleeful cruelty where he was like very clearly like, oh hell yeah, dude, like I'm manipulating her. This rocks. Um, <laughs> but like I don't think he looks like happy about it. But I don't think that that means we should like be like, oh, he he's just doing it because he's misguided. Like I think he knows that he's doing it and he's cruel. And even if it like he's telling himself that he feels bad about being cruel. The thing he's doing is like, I don't, I don't think the show wants us to really in this moment be like, Oh, he's just doing it. Cause he has to for love. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think that maybe he is misinterpreting things again or telling himself lies again. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It feels very much uh, more like, um, I'm trying to think of a character who resembles this. I'm thinking like, um, I forget his name, poor guy, but uh, the uh, uh, Wakaba's Onion Prince was a very similar oh, sort of character. Who, yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. Who yeah. kind of reminds me of him where he like doesn't see him. He sees himself as yeah. the nice guy. Yeah. He yeah. thinks he is doing the right thing to help Jury. And he thinks if I just do this, then Jury will fall in love with me and then she'll have a better life and she would be mm-hmm. thankful for that. But I just mm-hmm. have to do this um, to make her see that. Um, and so I think that's... Um, the connection I'm drawing here between mm-hmm. those two characters. Um, so, uh, which is interesting given that both of those characters were sort of princely figures or false prince figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and Toka did something similar when he beat Utena and yeah. like, she was wearing yeah. the girl's uniform. He's like, aren't you so much yep. happier now? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that it's, if we're looking at these as all prince uh, like false princes um with you know we know utena has a prince in her life and these kind of like being false princes of the school mm-hmm. um like imitate these boys like imitating princeliness um yeah we could say that's perhaps a tr- characteristic of it um no. of, like imposing your will <laughs> and we also we saw that kind of with utena with anthi like in the yeah. early days of their relationship being mm-hmm. like well you need to make more friends like and like mm-hmm. you can be well-intentioned but if you're still imposing your will onto someone yes. um you, you could end up at this logical end point here of like ruka like assaulting jury mm-hmm. and like treating her so cruelly because he thinks that's what's best for her right mm-hmm. yeah that's mm-hmm. why when last episode i kept talking about how he just like doesn't come across as like having malice in his actions it's yeah. because i think he genuinely doesn't believe that they're malicious like yeah he's no. more deluded i think than I think Sayonji and Toga can at least recognize that what they're doing is cruel in some way, or they'd like take a little delight, especially Sayonji like takes delight in sort of enforcing his will on other people and like knowing that they can't resist it. But for for characters like uh, Ruka and Tatsuya, it's, it's more, they just are genuinely have bought so into the idea of being the prince that they do see it as an act of kindness and that not an act of maliciousness. Mm. Um, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so um, he, Jerry, literally, like you said, we don't see her do it, but we are like kind of in her perspective when it happens. We, she like kind of leaps and stops him and like literally protects the locket with yeah. her life. Like she'd rather he like, I don't know, I this whole scene, I was like terrified he was going to start kicking her. Like yeah. I knew that wasn't going to happen, but that just felt like it. And he totally could. Like he's in that yeah. position where he could do whatever he wants right now to like get that locket away from her. Um, and she's I, like proving that she's willing to take that all for just this little thing that means so much to her, that represents so much about her. Um, and at this point, he says, you hate me more than you can stand. Um, 
And, and he's speaking directly to me at that point. Yes. He's talking <laughs> yes. To God. Hey guys, I, he breaks the fourth wall. Yes. God. Yeah, I'm I'm heated even now talking about this. Is what I'm saying when like I I feel like I have less critical distance from this episode. Like this mm. scene especially. Like no same. Uh. I know. It's, it's skeevy and and as this the part with Shuri like on her knees on the ground is yeah. kind of like a, drawing a line between her and Shiori at the beginning of the episode on her okay. knees like screaming Jury is a little more composed here but then she ultimately does kind of have this outburst challenging him to a duel yeah. so we see both of these characters what the what he has done to them of course Shiori's is very public but um mm-hmm. Jury's is very private but mm-hmm. even more cruel mm-hmm. um so yeah so they have this duel um, not a sanctioned duel. It's out at their their little spot. Yeah. Um, and it's set like it, this is our act break here. Um, we start mm-hmm. with this duel here, and it's um, we get the shimmering sea, and it's orange. It's pure orange from the sunset. Um, and I, I I believe we get our act break here, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it, like right as they're starting the duel. Yeah. Uh-huh. That we get the act break. Yeah, and it, then we there's co- a lot of interesting stuff. Sorry to interrupt. No, uh, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to say in the challenge, I think is very interesting because so she challenges him, and the terms are that if he wins, he can make her do whatever he wants, just left open ended. Um, and if she wins, then she wants him and Shiori to dot 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 because he interrupts her, mm-hmm. being like, "Oh yeah, like I know." I I'm very curious as to what she was going to ask and what he thinks she was going to ask because I feel like like because he's like okay you know what you changed my mind I will take Shiori back and then she challenges him to the duel Mm. so it seems like she no longer wants that to happen because she wouldn't need to challenge him to a duel she could like if she still wanted him to get back with Shiori she could just let him walk out of that room and that is his stated intention um so presumably what she at least to me what she was going to say here is like you and shiori like can never be together again or like you have to like leave shiori alone or something Mm -hmm. um but i'm very interested and i'm also really interested again in like what he thinks like what what does he like was that jury wants mm -hmm. because he's like just like he cuts her off and assumes Mm -hmm. what she wants yes um Mm -hmm. i i don't know i do want to i do think ruka is like an astute enough person I think he would yeah. know that that's what she would mean um yeah. but I think I don't know I do also think part of it could be uh, if we're like uh, I don't know Ruka as much as he may think he's the nice guy he may also use the opportunity to be like well we didn't actually establish what you wanted mm-hmm. like if he were to yeah. lose mm-hmm. yeah um just as one final sort of like attempt at yeah. getting what he wants um but as we find out um after the act break um, I feel like at, at first, obviously, like the results of the duel are left ambiguous, but I think the fact that we are suddenly it's like nighttime and it's like pure blue, like this yeah. deep blue, just like the exact shade of Ruka's hair um, and they're silhouetted, mm-hmm. I think it's like our first sort of initial um, clue in that it, Ruka won this duel. Yes. And Jury's like sitting on the ground, too, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is feels weird for her, um, mm-hmm. like a weird position for her to be in. We only like have seen her on the ground, like you know last scene you know like hunched over on the ground that does not feel like a position she would be in if she had won mm-hmm. um so yeah there's like it's it's left ambiguous but there's so many indications as to what yeah. happened there um 
And so he's like, you know, talking about like when you first started fencing, your brilliance show through far beyond my own potential. And she's like, oh, like, knock it off. Like, you're exaggerating. Like, she doesn't really buy it. Um, and then he's like, I've got someone I want you to meet. <laughs> and does, we hear the music and get the <laughs> cue that um, our, the Akiomobile is about to show up. And uh, he says Toga's lines um, yes. about, um, you know. Uh, like his whole spiel about you know this you hear it the sound that races through the end of the world and then like the car like the the, the headlights shine on them and then Ruka's like take it away Toga say your line <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's very funny again like getting into the themes of performativity and theater uh-huh. that come up so much here but also I think it, it's a fun little joke about how like useless uh-huh. Toga is in this plot line like he's literally yeah. just there to say his lines um and he like appears shirtless in between yeah. them which is really funny uh-huh. <laughs> like because like Jury's on the right side sitting on the ground and Ruka's standing on the left side and then suddenly shirtless Toga's there and then the car's there and we see this moment um of like during like i don't think we've ever seen like this kind of like moment like where we see we've seen like the characters responding to what toga's saying but not like necessarily the invitation to get in the car Mm -hmm. whereas jury like doesn't want to step in yes um and it's only after ruka says like um you you said you do whatever i'd ask um mm-hmm. so this is again very clear I mean, it's clear in the body language jury's body language in the car she's looking out the window the whole time mm-hmm. um and like so i uh i think it was i was reading the consulting analysts blog they um uh, drew attention to the fact that jury and ruka like very rarely look at each other like ever mm-hmm. um like they're usually not facing each other Mm-hmm. Like um, and in this car scene in particular yeah like like their chairs and like in this car scene in particular jury's looking like left out the window like the mm-hmm. entire i mean there's no window it's a convertible she's looking mm-hmm. out the car the entire time yeah and he's looking straight ahead for most of it mm-hmm. i think maybe he like turns back and looks at her occasionally but we get a lot of shots of just the back of his head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that speak like Jerry is like after at the moment I think she like loses the duel she just becomes all business or like all yeah. business here yeah. um and we'll see that especially in like her duel with Utsuna um but it also feels like Ruka is like feeling that way too you would think someone who's like mm-hmm. presumably getting what he wants yes. would be a little more enthusiastic about it um but he just seems to understand which makes it even more upsetting and cruel that he's doing this to her he's even understand that she has no she has no desire to do any of this. Like, he's kind yeah. of just forcing this upon her. Um, but he's still just operating under the presumption that, like, this will just be for the better of her and for him. Um, yeah. So it's it's almost like two people who do not want to even be in this car are here right now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. then at this point, um, Aki, or Ruka, like, turns on the radio and plays this message from Shiori to him. Um, it only repeats twice, I think. Um, but it's this line yeah, from Shuri. Yeah, it's this line from Shuri. Um, I believe she says something along the lines of like, you and I belong together. Um, you being um, Ruka and her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's just to, I don't know what that is, just to like rub it into Jury. Um, I don't know. What do you think his reasoning for that is and why it gets repeated? Yeah, I think it's, so a lot of this scene is about He's almost like goading Jury or taunting mm. her, being like, "Yeah, like Shiori was just a sacrifice to get this power," um, and like 
her like ultimate reasoning for like why she's like i'll go along with you is because she's like i just want shiori to be released from you like if you get miracles just perform the miracle of like getting shiori <laughs> of, like far fucking away off from you. <laughs> so, so i think it's almost like the thing of like he's like taunt like he's almost like a hostage situation like he's like i'm playing you a message from your loved one mm-hmm. about how she's <laughs> under my spell and like you got to go along with me yeah i i think it almost um gives a uh, sort of a concrete reasoning for why he made Shiori his rose bride in the first yeah. place. To me, it all feels like it was all in service of painting this picture for jury of Shiori uh-huh. as someone who purely cares about power and does not give a shit uh-huh. about jury. And so he's just trying to create yeah. this divide between the two of them. Yes. Um, which again, just is, it feels very cruel and the, that cruelty continues with the, he starts to talk about, the idea of miracles and the fact he claims that well, miracles can only happen if you have a sacrifice, which once again brings in this idea, the Mikage parallels. Um, there's mm-hmm. this uh, concept of um, you can only gain something if mm-hmm. someone, someone else has to pay the price if you are to gain anything. Um, and here he, I believe if, unless I'm like misinterpreting uh, he reveals that jury was the one who would say that um if you believe in miracles they will um know your feelings yeah um and i we were always i we were always under the assumption that it was shuri was the one who was saying that to jury at the start of the episode shuri does say it in a voiceover the first line of the episode is shuri saying this um Mm -hmm. but but i guess the implication here is that shuri learned that from jury rather than um it being like the two of them having a disagreement over this thing. Like it's something that Shiori learned from Jury and then Jury abandoned later. Mm-hmm. Or it's there's saying there's two easy ways you can read that. That yeah. or that like Shiori said it to Jury and there was a time when yeah. Jury did believe that mm. that right, she also right. went on. She got that from Shiori and at some point said it to Ruka and then before like Shiori like left and like mm-hmm. broke her heart with like with the boy and everything until that point like jury did believe that and enough to internalize it and also say mm-hmm. it so yeah yes yeah but um, both implications are that 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 phrase did does mean something to jury and like there was a time where she really did, did believe in that and enough to openly say that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which also then makes me um go back to that scene that we talked about where um Ruka says she says there are no miracles um and I don't know maybe it's a similar situation here where both she he's heard both Jury and Shiori say that before um like maybe Shiori like to me um I think they're this episode's uh trying to tell us that we maybe had part of the story wrong here that maybe it was Shiori is the one who didn't believe at miracles at one point um, and Jerry was the one who did. And then this reversal happened at some point, um, or at least this public reversal. I think Shiori, I don't know if Shiori ever believed in the idea of miracles. She doesn't seem like someone because she at no point really she is always like actively seeking to make something happen. She's never just sitting and waiting for things to come to her. Yeah. She's always actively seeking power in some way. So I just don't. I don't know. I'm, like, very curious to know, like, who started saying what about miracles, like, who even began this uh-huh. idea of believing in miracles. Uh, but part of me, I think, wants to believe that it's, like, Jerry was that optimist of the two of them at first. Um, and then, like, whatever, their their relationship sort of twisted that and changed that for both of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we get that car scene. Um, this leads to...
to um, Jerry challenging Utsuna to a duel. Before yeah. we yeah move on, I would just like to draw attention to the fact that both, if I'm remembering correctly, both Shiori and Jerry never acknowledge Akio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no one even speaks to him. Yeah. Um, and I just yeah. like, cause like I know for sure Kozue did, like Kozue mm-hmm. and Mickey interacted with mm-hmm. Akio and Sionji. I've definitely like I remember Sionji like grabbing um, Akio's shoulder, but uh-huh. like I'm pretty sure like like yeah, and Shiori and Jerry do not even like acknowledge his mm-hmm. presence. Yes. Um, which um, I just think is interesting. The other interesting thing, talking about like sort of expectations being subverted here. Um, so originally, I think to me, the car was almost a similar thing to the elevator in the Black Rose saga, um, in which it is a place where a person goes and something is revealed about them and they are almost like you know brought to the dark side or like this this repressed thing being brought out brings them into a different state of like mind um like they're almost like hypnotized in some ways and i feel like the car has been set up as a similar thing before like because you know like obviously sionji and um ruka and shiori all kind of like are people you maybe would expect to kind of get seduced by the idea of power but like then you you have miki and like thinking about miki as someone who sometimes stands outside of or tries to like resist these systems he also kind of gets put under the spell um Mm -hmm. but jury doesn't and there's it it is like a very cold and like business-like scene as we said between the two of them so i think that like you know, I feel like you could go into this expecting it to be a thing where, like, they have a conversation and, like, all of a sudden, like, some hidden part of jury or, like, some, like, restrained part of jury is unleashed and she's like, yes, I buy into this thing. Like, you've, even if she's not, like, seduced by Ruka, like, being seduced by the idea of power here. Um, but she, it's, it's, she's just agreeing with, like, a business deal. And I, I think the fact that, like, that, um, pattern has been like disrupted is like uh, something worth noting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, that seems to be like a running theme with Jerry because I don't I believe she said outright at one point that she is not interested in yeah. whatever it is that they're seeking with uh-huh. these duels. Like that's really not what she cares about. Um, and so it, of course it makes sense that like of any of these characters who are done like driven to do this driven haha uh, car pun <laughs> but um. <laughs> Like, she is just the one who's, like, going about it with the least enthusiasm, like, and literally I think mm-hmm. she's, like, not even paying attention during this whole ride, because she's mm-hmm. just looking out the window, she's, like, I don't know, probably just, like, thinking in her head, like, when is he just gonna shut up and take me to Ujna so I can just challenge her already, um, like, he's, this is all feels, like, just in service of Ruka, like, if Ruka's just doing this for his own yeah. satisfaction, um, yeah, so we get this scene here. I, okay, are they in the hallway? Is this where yes. this happens? Okay. The hallway yes, where she this... first talked to Utena in um, Unfulfilled Jury. Okay. Yes, and Jury is, like, looking out a window again, like they were when they first met. I thought that was really cool. It's mm-hmm. um, a nice, like, callback to when they first met. Um, so, yeah, they, they've clearly, like, had some sort of, convers- like, exchange before this scene starts, because it starts with Utena being like, oh, not you two, like, you know, they got to you. Um, Here we go again. And Jerry, Jerry challenges her to a duel, and then we see, like, Ruka in, like, the classroom with the car behind him, being like, now's the time for the main event. Like, the fucking, like, clown, like, yeah. let's go to the circus. Um, and then there's... 
the shot of Juri looking out the window and a shot of Shiori in front of the Shadow Girls wall. Uh-huh. Um, and this is great. It's a great fa- like fake out because you're like mm-hmm. you see the Shadow Girls wall. You're like this is we we we're like this is where we get our girls. They always almost always come before a duel, and we're seeing the wall and we're hearing the little music the that music we always get before uh-huh. they do it. And no, it's just so we get we cut to we get the wide shot and then zoom in on Shiori in front of the wall, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Um, again, like this kind of one to get back to of like Shiori's role in this episode of. Again, even here, like, I, I think my read is that, like, Jury's looking out the window at Chiori in front of the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, Chiori literally being in front of where we see all of these plays occur um, would position her as an actor in this mm-hmm. drama um, between Ruka and Jury. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it also because it's, like, usually we talk about the shadow play segment as, like, this is what the episode is about. And that holds true here. Mm-hmm. This episode is about Shiori in so many ways. And so I think that's, like, a really beautiful way for the show to represent that. Like, there's no shadow play sequence that would better encapsulate what this episode is about than than just a shot of Shiori. Like, that's what this mm-hmm. is about. Um, I also have another, like, kind of nutty theory for, like, <laughs> her being there. We can get to that when we actually get the shadow play girls. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I just love this. Okay. I love this sort of running theme through this episode that like something's off. The rituals are still there, like we're still like hinting yeah. at them, but they're just like something's a little different here. Um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so we get our, so, our elevator, our reverse elevator scene. Yes. Oh, I called it an elevator scene. That's a whole different thing in this context. <laughs> yeah, our, our gondola. It's the gondola. Gondola, yes. <laughs> Um, so we go up to the dueling arena and Jury walks up to Ruka and just says, do it. Again, a very like business like approach to the sword pulling. And I just said, Ruka's not in a rose bride dress, you fucking cowards. It literally. Um, yeah. I got I like I know that's what we we're all hoping for um, because he is her rose bride, but he is not wearing the the, the dress, which was just. <laughs> it would be funny if he was. Um, I wish he was. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least, just like, give him a different outfit. Something, I don't know. It's just very yeah. interesting that he, he does, rock the giant, he doesn't like, have turquoise, to. I, that, he would look beautiful in that. I don't know, understand. I just think it's interesting he doesn't, like, it's now clear, like, you don't need to wear that outfit to, like, <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, we were, like, you know, like, when Kozue and Shiori wore it, it was like, oh, well, that's what, you know. But it's also like they were in the car, like the cars yeah. spinning around the, the like, like so much is different about the stool. Yes. I guess it makes sense. Like he's not like a real rose bride. Yeah. Um, perhaps I, I, because I he's, think he's yeah. just there. It, I mean, I think that this is his like. I think this is a thing that Ruka fundamentally misunderstands. Um, is like the way the duels work, and he. He almost, like, did the first duel just to figure out how they worked. Uh, And I think that he misunderstands because I don't think we talked about this last time, but when the duel ends, he tells tells Shiori that he lost because she wasn't a good enough Rose Bride. Um, Mm -hmm. And and he, like, looks at Anthe and, like, almost the implication is that, like, oh, like, Utena is only good because she has the best Rose Bride, Anthe. Um, Shiori is a bad rose bride. 
But I, he, he's misunderstanding because having Anthe as a Rose Bride does not guarantee that you're going to win, as we've seen multiple times. People who have Anthe as, as their bride have lost duels in this show. Um, and so it's interesting that his response to Shiori is not a good enough Rose Bride, I know how to crack this code, I will become a Rose Bride. <laughs> but like, because he, he, it's like, again, that like confidence he almost has in himself where he's like, oh, okay, like I figured this out and I can do it better. But also I don't actually need to like do any of the actual parts of it. Just me being me and showing up will be enough. Um, and, yeah. and I think that, you know, this, this is what happens when you think that the answer is heteronormativity and <laughs> imposing yourself because I don't know some people could have been like oh I fucked up I'm the one who wasn't good enough the ultimate pairing here is Jury and Shiori like that's the team because like when a Rose Bride and uh, the Duelist have a bond is when it's the actual um, unbeatable pair but yeah. he's like, no, the pro- the problem is Shiori. Um, I uh, am a correct part of this. Um, it's just me. I just need to show up and be me, and we're yes. good. No notes on me, however. <laughs> Shiori, some notes. No, yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, the idea of, like, if Jury and Shiori did team oh, up. Oh, it would be they, a wash. They would win. I mean, I mean Jury out. wins this duel, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. In, in so many ways, like... But it's like she Isha only would loses. be dead. <laughs> I mean, would be dead. Yeah, honestly, like, would be dead. The show would be over. Honestly, but I, that's I think like the beauty, like the beauty and the tragedy of their relationship is like they could have everything. They I could know. have everything they've ever wanted if they would just like, I don't know, just put their pride away, put their inferiority and superiority complexes away, and just like. I don't know, let the, allow themselves to be this something very powerful, but that's that's the whole point of it, is that these mm-hmm. pe- these characters have these things within their grasp, they just don't know how to get them. Um, they wouldn't be in the show if they could, if they did know how mm-hmm. to do that. Um, and so, yeah, so we get this, like, like you said, Jerry's like just going through the motions. I don't think she says a word once other than do it. She just or- says do it, yeah. yeah. And not even, I don't think she even, she does not address Ushna at all. It's like no. Ushna's not even there. Um, and I, my, my do, note for when the song starts is scary ass dual song. Uh, <laughs> like these like scary voices start singing. Um, and then we get, like mm. we, we were joking before, uh, in the group chat about this is the weirdest dual song lyrically. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we you know, talk about that now or save it for after. Let's duel. save it for after because there's a yeah. lot to talk about with this duel in itself. Because yeah. there's two things, two duels happening at once. Then we got yes. all these interspersed sh- shots of Shiori. There's mm-hmm. so much happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to draw attention to how beautiful this that that pa- upwards panning shot of Ruka and um and Jury before he pulls the sword. It's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people sometimes like cr- critique the show kind of like kind of like having low budget animation at times and like um kind of wonky looking shots sometimes but like there are these moments of like really beautiful detailed shots and this is just it's gorgeous and it's so like striking and like mm-hmm. so detailed. It's just yeah, it's one of my favorite visuals from the whole show as well as Jury stumbling out of frame clutching her chest. Yeah. That's also really oh. like the, the details on that scene. Um, like it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Yeah, I don't think uh, you could always knock Utna for its budget. 
I don't think you can ever, ever knock Kuchina for art direction or just, like, yeah. aesthetics in general. I think the show... All, to me, I can always forgive the reused animation and all of that because, yeah. st- like, there's still so much going on with the art direction. Um, and this yeah. is, I think, a great demonstration of that. And obviously having, um, like, people like Mamoru Hosoda, like, doing... Uh, like storyboards on this obviously helps in terms of like the actual fluidity of the animation and, and that really shines here in this episode um but i think in general yeah that's something which like the show always nails so i'm always willing to forgive um yeah them, yeah <laughs> the overused yeah. animation and then then before we jump into the actual duel itself um i sent this in the group chat um beforehand and i didn't want to mention it here so we can link it oh, in yeah. the, on the twitter um so i'm uh, over on the empty movement tumblr from a couple years ago there's a great post about um a translation thing well something that is not translated in the current english subtitles um, but there's like a very slight difference in um, the what Anthe says as she pulls the sword. Um, so in the first arc of the show, um, Anthe is essentially saying like, oh, Rose of the Noble Castle, power of Dios that sleeps within me, heed your master and come forth. And then for the other duels in this arc, she says, um, oh, Rose of Noble, like, I, I can't remember, it's like something that's really hard to translate, I think the, but like, the, the subtitles do, like, noble, of like, feelings, um, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Uh, please reveal yourself. But then this episode, so this is, it is, the subtitles do not show, reflect this, but the, the Japanese for this episode, she is saying, oh, Rose of the Noble Castle, please reveal yourself. So she's combining the first arc of the Rebel Castle, Noble Castle and the Reveal Yourself of the rest of the arc. And this is the only episode where she says it like this. Um, And this post will link it, but it's kind of like implying that like, so like the the Rose of Noble Castle is like the, the power like coming from Dios, the prince himself and the castle in the sky. But then this arc, um, she's pulling the sword from Utna. It is coming from the power. She's like, and she's evoking like noble feelings um so she's like pulling something from Uta. the prince is now not needed necessarily mm-hmm. to pull the sword um so as to why she is combining the two um like the uh on the, the blog post they kind of come to the conclusion that she's like nerfing Utina for this duel <laughs> um because in this duel as we'll get to this the prince comes down and her prince move like doesn't get jury's sword it just gets the locket Mm-hmm. It doesn't get Jory's Jory's rose. Um, it just gets the locket. Like like in the first duel, mm-hmm. you know, Uta's power move fails. Mm-hmm. Um, because I guess the goal of this duel what maybe wasn't to defeat Jury in that way, but yeah. to rip the locket off. So it's an interesting post and like wanted to draw attention like that's something if you don't speak any Japanese and like this is something they only notice because they've like like done lots of translation mm-hmm. for you know the, the musicals in the show and mm-hmm. noticed it was slightly different uh, which is just interesting that the level of detail on the show that like you can watch the show a thousand <laughs> times and not n- notice that and not think it matters necessarily but it it could it like you know that's the that's fact that it's the only episode that's different yeah. yeah and this duel is so different from the rest of the duels in the arc like yeah you can't ignore that yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i think it in to me in a lot of ways i think it's almost like 
To me, the question is, um, you know, that that post interprets it as uh, anti nerfing Utena, but but to me, it's almost also like there's always this question of at least so far in the show of does the power of the ritual reside and come from Anthi? Um, is Anthi the source of the power or is something else the source of the power and Anthi is just like a conductor or like a priestess um, who is channeling it? Uh, because I think those are two different things. And I think in a lot of ways you can say that this duel is almost like profaned in a way or like um the word i keep think going or the phrase i keep thinking of is like not sanctioned yes uh, yes mm-hmm. because in the, it does so much and like from the way that it ends um also the way that because we have this earlier unsanctioned dual cut in um like it, we get the the beginning and the end of that duel earlier but we don't get the contents of the duel so the fact that like this duel contains also that other like fake or lesser duel i think undercuts some of the sanctity of this duel because so often the space of the duel is this like magic uh zone where um like things are like um encircled um so that a struggle can happen and some emotional uh like climax can be really uh re- reached um but here because it's like so much uncertain and like so many other things are brought in that invade the space of the duel part of me also wonders it's like is Anthe unable to say the correct words like mm. it, is it a thing where it's like you know like the eucharist comes up um where it's like a priest who was given like a fake eucharist like would not be able to say the words to to do because that would be like blasphemy to like give mm. the sacred words to something that is not sacred um i don't know just, i have a lot of thoughts <laughs> i agree I, it's all because ruka refused to put on the dress i yes. think you know uh-huh. and uh-huh. Andy was like you know what buddy then fine this is not an official duel my friend yes or, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, no i agree though. i think that's such an interesting and it's like i don't know how to like really like on a grand scale interpret yeah. this how this entire episode is about this idea of like just like um not following the rules i think yeah. maybe something i keep thinking about is the fact that jury i keep going back to jury going down the elevator during the black mm-hmm. rose saga i think that to me um this idea of not following rituals is always connected or almost always connected to jury mm-hmm. um this idea of like just not going by the script all the time um, and she, like, I mean, the reason that her episodes stand out to us is because they do tend to break format in this way. Yeah. Um, and I think that is just supposed to speak to the fact that Jury is, like, the, um, o- like, so far within the show's, like, text, she is the only, like, openly queer person. Yeah. It makes well, sense openly that openly sh- is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I <don't> know, <laughs> the only one who will say, who, if you asked her, her to like girls, she would probably yeah. say yes. Um, Unless you're Nanami and you don't understand what the question actually is. She would also say that. Um, but, I mean, just, like, uh, the only person who, like, you could say, like, definitively, yes, she is interested in other women. Um, mm-hmm. That yep. she is the one who's, like, the the rituals, like, she's, like, kind of like a glitch in the system. Yeah. 
And like, yeah. so the system kind of has to readjust around her because she is not supposed to be there in a lot of ways. Um, and I mean, that's similar to Utena. Utena, it's not like as outright as it is with Jury, but it's like these two characters are not really supposed to be there if mm-hmm. the system is supposed to be like society in general. Um, so I think that's my reading of like why that all is just kind of in this everything. All of those things are in this episode all at once. 100%, uh, yeah. Yeah, so like we said, we get these two jewels here. Um, the one before between Ruka and Juri, um, and the one between Utena and Juri. And um, we uh, they start talking about uh, Ruka, I believe it's during Ruka and Juri's duel that he starts talking about the idea of hidden feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's uh, kind of mocking her for yeah. her hidden feelings. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, so obviously both of these duels end with Jury losing. Um, but uh, for the quote unquote real duel between Utena, um, Jury um, gets hit, like we said, by Utena's super prince move. But uh, once again, it doesn't work technically, but it does mm-hmm. like obliterate her locket. Um, what I find interesting is that it seems to just like shatter the chain, mm-hmm. but it almost like. I don't know. It almost looks like it, like, just, like, really almost disintegrates as it hits the ground. I don't know if it's just because, like, yeah. impact or if it's just, like, the fact that it's no longer attached to her, it loses its, I don't know, yeah. like, its ability to stay together. Um, and at that point, Jury just kind of freezes. We get these, like, really gorgeous shots of her, like, in, like, she almost, like, feels it. It's almost like a physical wound for her as the locket falls from her. Um, and she just straight up takes her rose off and drops it and, um, that's the end of the duel. And then it starts to rain in the arena. Uh-huh. Um, yes. But notably, it ra- it's raining from the castle. Yes. yes. Um, and only on and the it's arena. only raining on the, duel- yeah, Which is the dueling so, arena. This episode is so gorgeous. And like that's just another really beautiful shot of just, just like pan of like eh, I, this rain, just like this downpour onto mm-hmm. the arena. I love the detail of the car wipers coming on. Yeah. Like it's just like so... <laughs> It's like camp. genius. It's li- it's it was camp. <laughs> it's like just like so. I don't know. It, this episode is really incredible. Um, but it's also the the idea of water coming back once again for Jerry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. I don't, what are you, your thoughts on the rain? Why do you, why do you think it rains at this moment? Because I feel like the easy. I I don't know. To me, it's always just because jury sad. Like that to me is like yeah. the rain is jury sad. But I feel like there's got there's more to it because like the castle itself is almost crying, which yeah. like that's pretty significant. We've never seen the castle do something like that, um, for anyone pretty much other than Utena, um, and definitely nev- nothing like this. Like physically manifesting something. Um, yeah. I, uh, I think my read is almost, um, you know, this episode is also about performativity and like mm. people saying like the lines and there there is something here where I think it's like because it is such a trope in media that when someone's like heart gets broken or something like it's like, oh, and then it rained on me that there's almost something here where it's like playing with like this trope and like using that for like a melodramatic effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's something in there, um, and, uh, yeah, j- just also, like, you know, so- sometimes, like, you get this, like, uh, like, idea of, like, 
like like rain bursting forth from the sky is like something being released like you know mm-hmm. when it's like really humid and muggy and you're just like god i want it to rain so like this humidity will break and this heat will break and like the all this like tension in the air can be released and i think that this is something where like it does feel like the the rain is like responding to jury's emotional state of like she she's like in shock and like we don't see her face at all um but but there is this sense of like a release like uh talking mm-hmm. about the locket again and like the chain breaking it's interesting because yeah like if you just look at it i think you could be like well why doesn't jury just go pick up the other part of the lock like the main part of the lock with the picture and it doesn't seem damaged why doesn't she just go pick it up but i think that it is more like the chain like shiori is not gone from jury's life she did not lose shiori by losing this locket but what she was broken was this like her literally being chained to shiori in that yeah. way um and like all of that kind of like ambivalent catharsis um kind of like pouring out of the skies as, as like an externalization um of jury having held in all these feelings and then like the the seal on the feelings is broken along with the chain mm. yeah I, I i like that i think that's a good way to put it and that would like bring in the idea of we noticed like that sort of heat haze before the yeah. episode and like the fact that it seemed like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe there was like a heat wave coming through Otori Academy. Yeah. Like that's what there's like, maybe there were just clouds building up over this whole episode and this yeah. is the release of that. Um, yeah. The but... only other daytime outside scene in the episode, because most of it is inside um, either in the weird room or other indoor spaces like notably the car doesn't go to the bird cage like it doesn't go to the outdoors the only other outdoor space besides the uh, or uh, shot besides the breakup scene is um the duel between um jury and ruka and that one also starts with the heat haze when it when it's jury orange sunset there's a heat haze on it and then when it goes to ruka blue at night the heat haze is gone mm-hmm yeah, I, I, I like that interpretation a lot, this idea of the release. And I mean, it plays really well into this um, scene that will come after the duel. But mm-hmm. um, first we get uh, Ruka kind of walks up to Jerry and he's like comforting her. He says, it'll be all right, Jerry. Um, once, I don't know, once again, being a nice guy <laughs> with a capital N. Um, he's notably not berating her the way he berated shiori which i think shows just how he feels about both of those characters shiori was a tool and jury at the end of the day he he, well he's a tool um but also (laughs) um jury is just um i don't know like it just speaks to his true feelings for both of these characters um and so yeah we get that well now do we want to talk about the weird duel song i guess now that we've covered before we get into the duel song I do. I would be remiss if I did not mention that in the uh, shots of the Ruka jury duel, mm. um, that is reused animation from the mm-hmm. jury Utena duel. It is the exact same footage, yeah. but jury mm-hmm. is put in Utena's position and Ruka is put in uh, jury's position, which oh. is really interesting. And in the jury Utena duel this time, there's a lot of reused stuff of like her pushing Utena. That's like the same yeah. that like when she's like charging at jury, it's the same exact shot, except she just got the cars behind her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you can look up like shot by shot comparisons. It's literally the exact same footage. They just like 
put um, uh, Drury on top of Utina and uh, Ruka on top of Drury, which is interesting um, because we talk about how like Drury and Utina are very much like mirror images of each other. Um, and so Drury being put in Utina's position is interesting. And then we also talked about these similarities between Drury and Ruka um, and how, you know, Ruka being put in Drury's position is interesting. So, yeah, I just definitely wanted to draw attention to that before we got into the dual song. Yes. I, I love that. I didn't even notice that at all. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's literally one shot where, like, Jury's in motion in the duel with Ruka, and then it, like, cuts and Utena's continuing. The, like, it, it's like a fluid mm. shot where it, like, transitions and, like, one person's, like, Utena's body is, like, in the exact same position and framing and motion that Jury's was in. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird because I feel like this episode's very Utena light. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there's still that um, connection. But I don't know. I, it still always is about Utena. Even when Utena's yeah. not on screen, it's about Utena. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's our big duel. Um, and then after the sort of release of emotion. Um, oh, sorry. No, duel song. That's what we were about to talk song. about. Song, yeah. We've got to get into this. I, Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I, I don't know. What were the things that stood out to you? I feel like this is very bizarre. I don't know. Porcupines? So, what is it all? <laughs> the kind of at the heart of this song is, you know, there's this, it opens with the, an ode to this, an ode to this, but yeah. then in other words, a crest, the heraldry of the human body. Um, and there's stuff like courtly etiquette, um, the symbols, our history of the Baroque. And then we get like all these lists. We also mm-hmm. get listing colors. And then, like, listing different, like, salamanders, dragons, porcupines. Um, <laughs> and then on the Empty Movement website, like, the translations for this lyrics, there's lots of, like, translation notes. And, like, um, uh, this is, these are all, like, animals that you would see on, like, crests. Ah, of, okay. like, and so, like, salamanders are often found, like, the heraldic supporters. Um, um, you know, urchin is the heraldic name of the hedgehog um yeah like a lot of these maybe there's a ton of references like there's charge is the decorative element of a heraldic crest in the field it's the background color of the heraldic crest and then we're getting like listing the names of colors and those are also like a really common colors that are used on crests um and then of course um of course then we're, azure is one of the thing colors listed and that's just blue that's just the word that's that's the color blue the word for the blue that's usually used in that kind of context um and then all the other things being listed are like uh, capitals like provinces palaces for cheval referencing ferdinand cheval yes. a surrealist architect um, <laughs> yeah we got to shout out ferdinand um, cheval really quick if you don't know him look up the ideal palace um it's so weird mm-hmm. and cool oh. he had a dream about a palace and he disappeared for six years and then he stubbed his toe on a rock and then he spent 33 years building he's not <laughs> a trained architect or artist but he was a mailman mm-hmm. and he built uh <laughs> He built, he spent 33 years building this, like, beautiful work of art out of, like, pebbles and dirt and shit. Oh. Um, please please look it up. It's hours. fast. And then it became, like, a um, an icon to, like, the surrealists, like, uh, Breton and uh, Dali loved it after he died. I fucking love outsider art. I fucking <laughs> yes. love that. That's <laughs> yes. so good. Um, that's really cool. Um, uh-huh. I just looked it up that rules. So yeah, so like the, the 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 overarching thing is like this idea of like the 
the family crest and like there's like definitely like references to versailles so there's definitely mm-hmm. ref- like this of like a royalty. hierarchy mm-hmm. and royalty i i mean and we've kind of talked about how like jury's very regal in the way she carries herself um but then also we i think we can look at the way jury and ruka are like these like as terms of like their positions in the school as and also as main characters on this show kind of like put them in that kind of position i don't know if we have Mm -hmm. if y'all have any thoughts on that but that's definitely the overarching theme of the song is every everything that's listed is kind of related to like royalty like a pal Mm -hmm. different palaces and then the animals on the in the colors on the crest yeah yeah, I think to me, like the heraldry is like what really stands out because I feel like we talk about so much the idea of like how colors really act as like heraldry for our characters in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, like everyone is represented in a sort of way. So I think it's interesting that this dual song is talking about that in a way, this idea of like ha- representing yourself to the rest of the world, representing your group to the rest of the world. Um, and a lot of our characters do that through, um, I don't know, color. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, and the fact that the episode is named after Azure, which I, I assume that's, we're talking about Ruka's hair here, um, which is this like very brilliant mm-hmm. blue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, it's like an interesting thing to, an, or an interesting idea to bring up in this episode, um, about the idea of like, how do you represent yourself to other people? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yes. I guess that's just, yeah, but go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to uh, say, um, because it brings up like the Baroque um so much which is of course a um a form that exists in a lot of modes of art from like music to architecture to um, painting um that is very like decorative focused on details um uh, very ornate and this idea of yeah like the the symbols and the the like details and um the ornamentation being such a defining thing that reveals the interior the interior um it, i mean it's very different than like something like um you know uh, uh like a just purely um like minimalist art form where the thing is the thing itself it's like no the thing is the embellishment and the thing is the details um so yeah okay yeah i mean that makes sense to me with yeah. a character like jury who likes is so worried about how um, she is like her what she is to other people like this mm-hmm. sort of image yes. she could project on to other people um, and so I uh, yeah I mean I think it fits really well with this and it, it's just like a it's a scary weird ass song uh-huh. and I love it so much it's perfect yeah. for Jerry. I <laughs> um, last quick because uh, yeah I, I would not be able to um, get through this without also bringing up uh, Anglophone uh, literature of course um, yes, let's go. this this starts with like the ode um which mm-hmm. I, I think at least right now the ode is most uh commonly associated with the romantic poets um mm-hmm. uh for example um keats like the ode to the nightingale grecian urn etc mm-hmm. um uh and th- this kind of uh idea where the um in the romantic tradition, as opposed to a more Baroque thing, there is this idea of like, um, like emotions, like being uncontrollably like 
on display um, or like uh, bursting through repression, um, which is, of course, what we see with jury. So I think in, in this mm -hmm. dual song, we almost have this conflict that is within jury between the Baroque and the exterior and the presentation that is so carefully uh, adorned um, versus the body um, right. and the feelings that are contained within the body. Um, the end of the song is so interesting. It's uh, all around alive and living forms of myself near and far. I am all the mysteries and creation. I am all the mysteries. Um, and it's interesting because in some ways it's like linking the body with like these external expressions, but also I think it, to bring up another romantic poet, it reminds me of, um, the famous, uh, Percy Shelley poem, Ozymandias, mm. the like, look on my works, ye mighty in despair, um, wh where there's a sense that like, um, by putting yourself so much into the external, you are also like setting yourself up for ruin because mm. like you've you've diluted yourself you've diluted your body and like put it into these external forms um and like it's not as secure as you might think like you can tell yourself that you encapsulate all creation and all the world um but really like it's not that simple and mm -hmm. you aren't necessarily as like uh, strong as you think by doing so. Yeah, sounds like a certain orange-haired uh, lesbian we know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you for letting me be very uh, on some bullshit there. Oh no, that's yes, like we perfect. love it. Yeah, that thing. I mean, that all makes perfect sense for like this character, like Cherry, who used the probably the most fragile character on the show, who yeah. pumps herself up with this image of the un the leopard of the Otori Academy. Uh -huh. um, so yeah. that all makes sense to me. Um, any other, I guess, dual thoughts before we get into this final sort of coda of the episode? Um, no, it's just like definitely like worth like making note. As I mentioned, there's no car going around. Mm -hmm. the, the car's headlights don't turn on to like illuminate the castle. Mm -hmm. There's just, again, and with the difference of like what Anthe says at the start of the duel, there's just so much, so much that's different here um that you don't you might not even notice on a first watch just how different this duel is if you're not looking at it but then it, it really stands out um among all the duels as being as we mentioned the most um the most like outside of the rules um queer one might say <laughs> yes the queerest duel. oh my god <laughs> um, queering, queering, system. queering dueling his whole system um <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yes. yeah, so like Ruka like kind of like comforts Jury at the end of the stool, is like telling her it'll be all right, and then we cut to Jury um, alone in the room with the chairs, um, being like, "It'll be all right, huh?" <laughs> um, I believe she's facing, and, or no, she's not facing. She's still facing Jury's chair, I believe. Mm -hmm. I I didn't I did not make as much notes on like when who was facing where as I should have because now I really want to know <laughs> now uh -huh. I really want to know. Um, but yeah, I I think it is also interesting that that room everyone has their own assigned seats, but no one at any point is all they're not all three there at once. Yeah. At any point. I think uh, literally the only time Shiori is there is when Jury is thinking about her during the duel. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Shiori is never in the room with either of the other two. Right. Um, 
yeah they just you know they just can't stand each other they can't be in the same room together i think that's yeah. the ultimate message <laughs> um but yeah so we get <laughs> we get this um that scene and then we go to we're back in the dueling or the fencing hall um and a girl on they even name this girl as she gets injured um but she gets injured during a fencing and jury um like takes care of this girl while we get this sort of um dialogue on top of the scene like kind of explaining like oh ruka's suddenly not here anymore um jury's the captain of the fencing team again um and we see jury take this girl to um like some sort of hospital wing um mm-hmm. and this is where we get the shadow play girls at first i when i was rewatching this episode i was like do we even get one of these at all in this episode um but we get the the shadow play nurses they show up um, and they kind of explain, like, oh, there's a boy who was here, and he just died. Um, he was in love with the, this girl, and that's what was keeping him going, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he wanted to free her, I believe is the phrase they use. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, clearly they're talking about, I think, Ruka here. Um, yes. And my nutty theory, though, about, like, Shiori and the Shadowplay girls was that, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, like, Shiori in some way was able to, like, communicate to them, like, mm-hmm. I, I, like, go tell Jury this sort of, like, because Jury is, like, in this frame as well. She's, like, kind of listening mm-hmm. in while mm-hmm. this is happening. I'm, like, did Shiori, like, send, a, like, tip them 20 bucks to be, like, hey, go let Jury know, <laughs> like, hey, he had feelings for her, like, as, as some sort of comfort to her? I don't know. Like, I just want to interpret this as Shiori mm-hmm. in some way expressing some kind of affection for jerry in this moment that's because i feel like it's significant that she is mm-hmm. standing in front of where the shadow play girls should be and then the shadow play girls do show up but it's all like a performance just for jury like jury's the only one who really mm-hmm. hears this so i've been really i mean it is for us to like get that information but it's also jury's listening in um so that's that's my i want to believe jury shiori truther moment <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. huh <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah so um ruka has died i guess is the ultimate sort of reveal yeah. there i think the real question is though is like was he ever really there i think because if we're thinking yeah. about parallel to mikage mm-hmm. we don't really i like mikage was there but was he ever actually really there is like the question of the black rose saga yeah. um and that's sort of i think my question here is like I don't know. Maybe the reason everything was so wonky in these last two episodes is because this just like there was a level of unreality to it all that Ruka was not quite there. This was some sort of other thing going on. Um, I don't know. I, 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 who knows? <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on all of this? Um, yeah, I, I, cause there's definitely the Makati of it all is definitely, as we've mentioned, kind of caused us to question kind of anything that happens in the school now. Like, mm-hmm. things can just, like, appear and disappear. I've also read some interesting, uh, like, takes on Ruka. I think it was in the Empty Movement Discord server. Someone was talking about the idea of, like, Ruka not, be, be, uh, not being a person, but rather, like, the projection of jury's, mm. like, complicated feelings for, like, I think, I mean, it's... I don't like know if that holds up because it's like a very like elaborate, but like it's interesting to like understand Ruka as not necessarily a a person, but mm-hmm. like because he's just like 
I don't know. He just is such so like plot device y. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like in the not necessarily in the narrative of the show, but like in the universe of the show, he he's so. I think that's what's so hard for me like to get like a grip on him is that like, and that's what's kind of sad about him though mm-hmm. is that like he's like if you take him as a person who does exist and who who did was sick and was got got a little better and left the hospital and then died after like the fact that he uses like last days alive to like not even like tell jury I, I, his feelings for her or like yeah. do anything productive it's just to like manipulate people and to play out his like this like martyred prince um and never tell her of course she finds out through the shadow girls but like God, that's so sad. It's just like, you yeah. know, like he's it's like in the idea like how oppressive the idea of the prince is. Like even like that, that it, I do pity Ruka. Mm-hmm. It's like our understanding of him as like a if we do like just understand he's a person who did this rather than any supernatural stuff. Of like, God, like instead of like doing something like having a nice time in the last days of his life, he just mm-hmm. like went around thief. like a yeah, and like hurt people and like mm-hmm. was hurting himself too because he never like I mean like he didn't tell ever tell jury he didn't get what he he wanted really he just was like trying to free her um, yeah. and I guess he did but he hurt her a lot too it just makes it paints a really sad picture of him and like yeah. and again like this oppressive idea of what it means to be a prince and like this sort of like martyr he's playing yeah. And I think that, like, again, like, I, I think I want to be very clear about my, my read on Ruka, because, again, I think that there is potential here for um to see, like, almost redemption for him, where it's like the Shadow Play girls are explaining his tragic backstory. Like, it, you know, especially now, it's like such a thing in media where every villain has a tragic backstory <laughs> and it's like, oh, but they're actually sympathetic. Um, Where I think you could get to the read of being like, oh, like, Ruka did bad things and hurt people, but it was all out of love. And, like, because um, he was trying to, like, you know, do this for jury. He was trying to free jury and help jury, and maybe he'd made some mistakes. But but I, I think my... Um, I, I have a couple of, you know, I think the things that complicate that. One, um, I think it's impossible to count out any self-interest for him like because he's mm-hmm. fighting for the power to gain miracles and if he's dying like you know we think about Mikage again who initially like goes to try to get um the power for miracles to like achieve eternal life like there's no way Ruka gets the power to perform miracles and miracle one isn't Ruka live forever <laughs> like <laughs> no more sick i'm just president of dueling forever now um that that's the first thing that guy is doing um but but also i think you know again talking about mikage there is a tragedy to mikage in that he's so explicitly misled and manipulated by akio um and we we've speculated that maybe some of that is going on with ruka too but with ruka so much of his uh, we, we've seen so much of like his misunderstandings or um, misinterpretations are very like 
self-deluding like mm-hmm. he very much is like telling himself the story he wants to hear that like frames him as like the hero and the prince um and so i think contrasted to someone like mikage who i do have more sympathy for because we are so thoroughly shown how he is like manipulated um ruka is someone who i find it a lot harder to sympathize with because he he kind of like did it all to himself and Mm -hmm. like um it's almost like he had this idea of the story where him and jury are together and everything is the normal life and happy and healthy and he gets to be healthy that it's also like self-motivated and about what he feels he deserves that it's it's very hard for me to find any feeling in my heart for like yes he's a misguided uh anti-hero who you know, we, we should ultimately feel sorry for. Yeah. I think pity rather than sympathy is yeah. what they want us to feel for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that that shadow play scene really accomplishes that. Um, mm-hmm. And, but uh, what I find interesting, which is our very last scene is that um, Jerry is walking home and we get this sort of long shot of Shiori following her home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a great sort of contrast to, we've noted with these other episodes that like the people, like the characters involved in the duels end up in like worse mm-hmm. relationships with the other characters than the when they started. Whereas this, I don't know, this kind of ends on a hopeful note for Jerry yeah. and Shiori's relationship. Like they, I think so. Yeah, yeah. They're like not combative and like Shiori is willing to be physically close to Jerry now mm-hmm. in some way, even if it is still from a distance and from behind and they're not like talking or anything, mm-hmm. they're not friends, but they're, there's still something that can happen there. Um, yeah, and Jerry's now at least free from the false image of Shiori. Yeah. Like, there's the question of, does she love Shiori as she is? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we've seen that Shiori has a lot of issues <laughs> and that she needs to work <laughs> through. And, like, I don't think we... We can claim that they, they, these two necessarily have an easy road ahead of them to like make mm-hmm. something work between them, given the world they're in, given the institution they're in, like, and given they're both they both still have issues. But at least, like, yeah, at least Jury has let go. Is she is free from yeah. the image of Shiori, and yeah. that is something. Yeah, I mean, potentially this is like something that is we didn't really mention because maybe it's very obvious, but Shiori coming up on the shadow play wall, like, you know, think going back to another famous shadow play, like the allegory of the cave, like Mm -hmm. and jury looking at this wall and seeing an image of Shiori projected uh, like (laughs) there's a sense that she's been like freed (laughs) from like this the world of you know just purely idealizing shiori and now can like meet the real shiori at the end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's now free to see that shiori does rock yes <laughs> <laughs> just uh, in a different way yeah uh, okay wow um we are coming up on the two hour mark um but i i don't know i feel like have we successfully we cracked um the the is the jury two-parter of it all. I think we we nailed it every every single aspect of it. We got it. Yeah. No yeah. We need to ever talk I think about so. these episodes yeah, no, again. Yeah, no notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think if you've ever written about these episodes, you should, uh, sorry to the consulting analyst, but you should just go back and delete your post yeah. because it's <laughs> all <got> here. It. <laughs> yeah. 
No, yeah, I think that's um, the fact that we talked so long about this, not just because we love Jerry in general, but it's just because this is a really um, incredible episode yeah. of television um, in a very similar way to Thorns of Death, where it feels like it says so much about these characters without being heavy handed with any of it. Um, really gorgeous. Um, and so it's worthy to me of a, a five hour podcast, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But yeah, so that's my feelings, and I'm I'm glad we got to do both of these parts with our good friend Audrey. Thank you yeah. so much again for joining us. Yes. Um, did either of you have any final wrap up thoughts about um this episode, episode twenty nine? Um, I just wanted to something I didn't mention. We were talking about the Shadow Girls, something that I've like kind of because something that's the subject of like debate among people, not debate, but people being like again, like the question of like do are we comfortable with the way the show like ultimately frames Ruka um mm-hmm. at the end of like because it's the way the shadow girls are talking about him as this sort of like he- tragic hero um and I, I didn't write any of this down I remember reading at some point that like it might be at a kiddo I don't remember someone involved with the show like kind of had some interesting takes on Ruka I can't remember um, what writer on the show? It, I don't think it was. I don't think it was uh, Sukimura who wrote this episode, but someone said something interesting about Ruka that's like, um, kind of people question like um, the intentions behind this character. But what I, like, and that doesn't really matter to me as much. It's more about like what we're seeing on the screen and what we get from it. Um, but the Shadow Girl scene is interesting because um, of him ultimately being framed as this like tragic romantic martyr. Um, because that feels like, yeah, that is how a dude like Ruka would get framed in this, um, in this, in, in this world. I mean, in this story, like where we talk about like, um, the narratives of like the prince and, and just like stories and in this world more generally, um, I think ultimately it's like, we see the real Ruka, but then in the end, all that's left is the tale of him, mm-hmm. um, and it makes a lot of sense that it would be kind of boiled down to him as this romantic, tragic, martyr, hero mm-hmm. figure who did everything for love. But, like, we as the viewer, we have the full picture. And Jury has the full picture, too. Uh-huh. Um, she's hearing, she's the one character who gets, like, really has the full image of, like, how he is remembered and how he was um, by actually hearing the Shadow Girls talking and having been part of it. So yeah. I think, ulti- again, I think we all agree that ultimately the show is like presenting a pretty like pathetic yeah. idea of Ruka. It's just that it ends on this note with the shadow girls that I could see how someone watching would be like, oh, am yeah. I supposed to be rooting for Ruka? Yeah. But I think that is, that is, it makes sense that that is the story that would be told about Ruka yeah. long after he's gone. Um, right. The other thing I want to say, Jury's miracle comes true. Mm. Uh, when she's in the car, she's like, "If I had the power to grant miracles, the only thing I would want is for your or like Shiori to be free of you or released from you." That that happens. Um, mm-hmm. like Ruka is mm-hmm. like erased from this space entirely, and Shiori is like free to like interact with Jury without Ruka coming between them. Um, so it's very interesting that out of everyone who has like expressed a wish uh we jury has gotten her wish here at the end 
Um, yeah, which speaks to how you, because there's a line which we didn't talk about where Ruka says that only people like Shiori oh, yeah. who don't believe in miracles get them. Yeah. Um, which, two things to note about that. One, we've um, heard Utena compared to Shiori a lot, and Utena does seem to get a lot of miracles, at least in the dueling mm-hmm. space. Um, but two, like you said, he tends to be wrong in a lot of instances, <laughs> and I think that's one of them. <laughs> Because Jerry is someone who adamantly refuses to believe in miracles, and yet she, like you said, in one way or another, she does tend to get these yeah. miracles. Just maybe not in this way she thinks they'll happen. Um, and I think, like, the end of the episode with Shiori, like, being, like, at least within proximity to her is, like, her miracle mm-hmm. beginning to come mm-hmm. true. It's just, like, I don't think Jerry can see that yet. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just part of the beauty of the whole jury story is that this person who thinks she's i mean honestly i, I don't think she believes in miracles because i don't think she thinks she's deserving of them mm-hmm. um but she is she is absolutely deserving of these miracles and they come to her she just is like not willing to or like just can't recognize them as they come to her so yeah um that's just what makes her a really sad character <laughs> like, got it damn. sorry i'm laughing because i just remembered a thought i have um in that in a lot of ways the plot of this episode is just the insane clown posse song miracles it is (laughs) and i I would i really need a photoshop of ruka and shiori uh in in the icp makeup uh asking (laughs) jerry if she believes in miracles and (laughs) if she knows how magnets work Every dual song is an ICP song. Uh-huh. If you haven't listened to the song Miracles by ICP recently, I know it was a meme like 15 years ago. Uh, go back and listen to it. It's way funnier than yeah. you think. For our Gen Z listeners, uh, you might need to go uh, read oh, up on yeah. this internet. You should board. check it out. There, yeah. There's a part where a seagull steals his phone, and that's a miracle to him. Sound connections really to the Sparrow from Utsuna? I think so. I think that was an intentional <laughs> reference on their part. There, yeah, we see it, the ocean when they're on top of the wherever they're at. That's where <laughs> seagulls go. Uh-huh. The nondescript 3D object that they're standing on. Um, if someone can either get me fan art of that or at least a very good Photoshop of, of that with uh, Ruka and Shiori and ICP makeup. I'd love that. Someone's already turned Shiori into the Joker, so I'm sure whoever (laughs) did that could very quickly mock that up for you. (laughs) I mean, I'll put my, you know what, I'll put my graphic design degree to good use for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We still never got Catgirl Jury, also. Oh, that's true. To give us Catgirl Jury. Okay. Um, Anyway. uh, Yes, thank you so much, Audrey, for joining us once again. Hopefully not the last we'll hear from you. We still got 10 more episodes which still yeah. feels like so little honestly we're already mm-hmm. nearing the end which is wild to me but um still a lot of road left to ride on a lot of uh mm-hmm. shirtless car rides ahead of us um but yeah so um audrey do you want to remind the people where they can find you yeah um yeah i am at audrey other way um on uh, all the social media uh that i use i my partner and i just rescued um a cat We've named oh. Basketball Junior, so if, <laughs> if you want to see any Basketball Junior content, uh, I will probably be posting him. That's my cell right now. Oh, hell yes. I'm very down for that. Basketball Junior, I want to assume also an Utena reference. 
Uh, she plays basketball. <laughs> she does. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I didn't think about that, but probably subconsciously. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Christine, what about you? Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me at xteen underscore files on Twitter, and not currently writing about Survivor because Survivor, there's no Survivor happening, but when I do, that's on InsideSurvivor.com, so that's where you can find me. Nice. Uh, you can find me at Oh, you, Derek. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, you can find me at Rain Derek's on Twitter, currently tweeting about old seasons of Australian Survivor, uh, <laughs> as normal people do. I'm just a normal boy like Toga, and I watch um, mm. Australian reality television sometimes. But um, Jonathan? <laughs> Chad Jeff Probes for is uh, the English translation of that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and you can also listen to uh, me and our good friend Sam Stanish over at Bitter Jurors Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Bitter Jurors is the show where we usually talk about Survivor. Um, but since Survivor's over until springtime, we will be talking about book two of Legend of Korra in all its glory question mark. Um, that should be coming up soon. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you both so much for joining me for the jury yeah. power hour. Um, or yes. jury power and... four hours in our case. <laughs> <laughs> and next week we'll be talking about episode 30, uh, the barefoot girl. So, um, oh. yes, we are oh. now in the, heading into the thirties, the end stretch of 39 episodes of the show, almost there. Uh, the barefoot girl. Um, which is a very interesting episode. I'm really looking forward to talking about this one. Oh, yes. We say that every time, and it's true every time. <laughs> there's just a lot of, sim- there's some symbolism I'm excited to unpack. Some. We love Sebastian. to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the understatement, of the, one, <laughs> understatement <laughs> of the century. Um, all right. Well, and this is our last episode of 2021. Oh, um, yes. Happy New Year. Whoop, Happy New Year. We've been doing this for six months, um, which is nuts that is insane so thank you everyone for hanging out with us for yes. six months and uh yeah so next time we you hear from us it'll be 2022 so we'll see how that goes <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> bye y'all right, bye, bye.